G'day and welcome to another Green and Gold Rugby podcast. Uh, we're sponsored by strike.com.au and uh, grab a cradle to hold your phone in the car from Strike. And if you use Green and Gold Rugby in the discount box, you'll get 10% off. Um, good to have everybody back. We've got a bumper podcast. I've actually got four people, well, there's four of us sat on the podcast as I speak. I've got Mr. Tim's back by popular demand, mate. How are you? Uh, you know, doing all right. Just, uh, you know, keeping it real. Keeping it real. Okay. Keeping it on the low down. Um, I've got Brumby Jack, who, um, Steve, mate, have you managed to come down off the ceiling yet from, from the weekend? Yeah, only just. Uh, a bit like the players, I'm a bit tired, but I'll, I'll muscle on for this week. <laughs> See what you can do. Well, like the players, you're going to be doing some miles. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little while. So I hope you're getting up on your sleep. And then uh, Mr. Hugh Cavill, mate, how are you? I'm very good, very good. Can't yeah. wait for the Super Rugby final. Interesting yeah. piece of trivia, which I think we should acknowledge up front. Yep. Uh, Waratahs have beaten both the Chiefs and the Brumbies this year. So really, is it a final or is the best team in the comp already been decided? I don't know. But uh, <laughs> still should be a good game nonetheless. Well, I was going to say f- fresh from your latest stouches with people on the blog. Um, you know, how are you doing there? Kind of, are you reeling a oh. bit? Are you, are the, are the cut's healing? <laughs> oh, no. Look, I just had to find a way to entertain myself and everyone else during the few <laughs> weeks that we don't have international rugby. So. <laughs> All right, cool. You're keeping them going. It's nice now. Actually, they're starting to throw, um, uh, they're starting to throw bait out there, which I, I see that you're starting to ignore. Um, <laughs> but uh, all right, so let's chuff along, shall we? We've got plenty to talk about. Obviously, let's start with last weekend. So massive super rugby semis, um, clashes of all the big heavyweights. So the first one... I, what, I just want to say yeah. that it's the first round mm-hmm. of the whole competition. I've not tipped a single fucking game. As in you forgot to tip? No, no, no. I tipped oh, them both wrong. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, mate, so, fun. you know, I think the Brumby should thank me. <laughs> and the Chiefs as well. Okay. Well, um, let's talk through those losses for you, shall we? And wins for the Chiefs and the Brumbies. Yes. Um, so, Chiefs versus Crusaders. I think most of us, though, would have been with you, Timsy, there. I thought, you know, we all saw the Crusaders coming home with a bit of a wet sail. Um, but uh, the Chiefs, I mean, they were down 6-9 at half time, actually. Yeah, I've got the I've got the soundbite here from last week where I said this would be the game of the season, and it, and it was. It was fucking great. Mm. Well, it's funny though. I it was, loved it. It was a bit. It was a bit of an arm wrestle in some ways though, because oh, all the tries two halves, mate. Gave well, it two halves. <laughs> well, all the tries happened in like you know in about Second five half. yeah five minutes period. Um, so yeah, because it was six nine at half time, yep. and then all of a sudden, so you know, I I don't want to alert Sanzar too much, but I think Leela Masanga might have been. On a PCP, um, the way he was playing, he was unbelievable. He was like breaking people as he ran I, into them. Oh no, he wasn't on anything. He was just that was just fucking fantastic because he got pulled off straight after that. He, he'd um, you know, 
he, apparently by that stage of the game, he'd done a full game's worth of work, and that was just in that one run. He was incredible. <laughs> that try was fucking fantastic. Well, it was amazing. It was amazing. If you want, you want to watch, you want to show kids how to yeah. run hard at a line. Mm. Just watch that over and over again. Clockwork mm. Orange style, well, perfect. Just, just don't let them hear you talk about it. Is all I'd say. <laughs> oh no, I get excited. But I just love a good bit of hard running. I think it's because we can. We managed to can all the swearing the last podcast. Yeah, I've got to get it out, out of this me one. Now. <laughs> it's been um, building up. But it was an amazing try, wasn't it? If you haven't seen yeah. it, go on and, and, and have a look online uh, at the highlights. But it was like there was kind of nothing on, was there? He got the ball. It was kind of behind the pack. He said, oh, there's not much space there. The, the Crusaders are fanned out. Um, I'll just go over here run through four of them. I will just run straight at the forward pack and smash yeah. them back over the try line. It was, yeah. it was crazy. Um, bit of trivia. Leila Basanga has only ever had one cap for the All Blacks, and it was in 2009. Um, uh, which right. is pretty amazing because he's a pretty damaging player, I would have thought. Um, so, yeah, so it was Masanga. He, he uh, lobbed over that try and the Chiefs put their nose ahead. And then the next thing you know, I think it was like six minutes later, Aaron Cruden plucks a, a pass out of nowhere, intercept pass, runs 60 metres, try. Try. That and, was it. And that was it. And the uh, Crusaders, despite a dag dazzler, Oh, wasn't that a good try too? That was the other one. Oh, Two tries of the week that, in one game. It was amazing. Yeah. Was that a goose step he did? It was, wasn't oh, it? It was kind of like know. a bit of a. It was a bit of a goose step. Yeah. I thought he, I thought he botched it when he went around the outside there, but mm. he knew how much space he had. He did indeed, and um, and and went over the line. Uh, brought it back to twenty sixteen, and then actually the last guy to touch it for the Crusaders, they held on to it for about fourteen phases in the uh, in the Chiefs uh, half just with like two minutes to go. And then it was actually Dan Carter who uh, spilt, the p- spilt the pill um, and closed the game. Um, it's human. Yeah. But it, so it, it was a cracker though, eh? Um, mm-hmm. what, what did you guys think? So, Timsy, you've, it, did, it lived up to your cracker status, did it? To, to my hype, yes. Yeah. And uh, Hugh, I know you were in a pub at the time. What vibe did you take? Oh, look, I mean, the last 15 minutes were really quite thrilling in the end and the Crusaders were, were battering the Chiefs' line and, and just couldn't get that sort of, couldn't get the drop goal, couldn't get the penalty, couldn't get anything. I mean, it was top defence from the Chiefs and the Crusaders, having looked so good for so long in the last sort of six or eight weeks, they just couldn't get that final score. And... uh Ultimately, you know, for an all-black pack and, you know, Dan Carter there, they kind of came up short. So uh, I think the Chiefs are obviously going to be the strong favourites for, for this week, but we'll obviously get to that later. But, uh, yeah, Crusaders will be a bit disappointed. It's been quite a while since uh, they've last won a title, and for a team so prolific, you think you keep thinking it's going to be the year, but uh, n- another, another swing and a miss this year. Yeah, and so BJ, I think you you watched this one through, did you? Were you able to make yourself? Um, I saw the last couple of minutes, and like Hugh was saying, the the Crusaders were just smashing the Chiefs and just trying to get over the line. Mm -hmm. And I think with Dan Carter with his drop goal attempt, I think it looked like he panicked a bit because they had maybe four or five minutes still to go, Mm -hmm. and it was not really like Dan Carter-esque to shoot so early when they still had time. I thought they would have rumbled it up a few more phases mm. and got better field position or even right in front and then pulled the trigger then. Yeah. It's a, for, a, uh, for, for the most amazing player that's ever lived, according to the hype, mm. and such a complete fly half, he's not the best drop goaler. 
Well, he had another shot just before half time as well, um, mm. and it was well. It, it kind of looked like that one from Berwick actually against the Reds. It just never looked on, yeah. um, but he went for it anyway, and kind of it just and it went nowhere. Um, but it, it was an interesting one. If you, if you look at the stats of the game, it's kind of hard to see how the Chiefs won it. Um, so, you know, the, the Crusaders had uh, 104 runs versus 68 for the Chiefs. Um, you know, and, and, actu- and the, the main thing actually was, uh, I mean, they both tackle completions were about the same. But, you know, and the t- turnovers, I mean, the Chiefs turned the ball over 20 times versus nine times for the Crusaders. Um, and yet, you know, the, the, the Chiefs still managed to walk away with it. Um, I mean, both of those tries were kind of on the bounce, I guess. But, um, I mean, you know, the, the Chiefs managed to arm wrestle the best and, 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 and still get away with it, I guess. Uh, so, you know, a tough game. Um, but they, they walked away with it. A bit of a pity, though, I think, in that, actually, for we would have liked the uh, Crusaders to win that one, wouldn't we, BJ? Yeah, well, if Carter's drop goal goes over, they win. And then later on, the Brumbies knocked off the Bulls and the final would have been in Canberra on Saturday night instead of Hamilton. Yeah. No, it would have been, uh, it would have been a um, fair bit preferable, for sure. Um, all right, cool. So that was the Chiefs versus the Crusaders. Um, it means the uh, final is going to be um, down in, uh, I want to say, Waikato. Have I got that right? Well, it's the Waikato, the, the Waikato region, but it's in Hamilton. It's in Hamilton, right, the Tron. Um, all righty. Anyway, so that was like the sideshow, obviously, to the main event, uh, which I know you stayed up for, BJ. Um, yeah. The, yeah. the Bulls Brumbies. I mean, Real get, fans get up at all times of the night to watch their team. <laughs> or just don't ever go to bed. What was your strategy? Uh, sleep first and uh, go from there. Oh, did you? So what, what time? Yeah. What, how, did you, how did you wrangle that? I uh, just offloaded the the young fella to the missus and said, I'm good. I've got to sleep. I can't stay up all night to watch this great win. <laughs> okay. So, um, all right. So, you got yourself out of bed at what? At one in the morning? Yeah. Yeah. God, that's hardcore. Um, all right. So, you, you got up and watched. Give us the tale of the game, mate. How did it, how did it ebb and flow? Well, in the lead up, Jake White had been saying to try and take the Loftus crowd out of the equation. And uh, they did. Well, I think they did themselves did that themselves by not turning up because the, there was talk they were going to have fifty thousand there, and yeah. it, in reality there was a lot of spare seats. And uh, it, just from the kickoff, um, Clyde Rathbone smashed Undengani into touch, and I think from that it's sort of had the, uh, the attitude looked really good for them. Yeah. And and from that, I think they they got a penalty and were able to settle the, the nerves. And um, from there, from there, it looked like it could go either way. And uh, that try from uh, Jesse Mogg, yeah, that, that and that really—you could hear a pin drop after that. Mm. No, they did. You're right. They they managed to get off to a great start, didn't they? They got a penalty, and then um, it was actually Henry Spate who started that try. I mean, he kind of, he made it from nowhere, didn't he? Yeah, um, he's, he's done that many times this year. Mm. He's he had three defenders, and he made them pretty much all stand and look at each other. Yeah. And then when he was finally tackled, he threw a magical offload to Jesse Mogg. I don't yeah. know how he got that pass away, but that was almost Sonny Bill-esque. It was, wasn't it? He was kind of like looking one way and then offloaded behind him um, another uh, for, the, for the Mogger rhythm uh, to, to, to log, log in. Um, then we had uh, Engelbrecht came back at about the 15th minute, I think, and managed to get a try. 
Um, but uh, despite that, the Brumbies went in um, 11-16 up at half-time, and I think that was uh, that really seemed to play with their heads because I guess the talk of this whole game has to be the decision-making they made, um, you know, the, the Bulls, about, you know, towards the end of the game, uh, you know, whether they went for goal or went for touch because what happened? How many, how many shots at goal did they turn down? Um, they knocked, knocked down uh, three Three shots a goal, and interestingly, as soon as the game finished, there was a, a stat graphic came up and actually showed that. Yeah. Um, so after the score, that was the first stat that came up that the Bulls had um, declined three shots a goal. And in the in semi-finals or knockout rugby, and there's no bonus points, and the Bulls are known for kicking goals from all over the place. And it was just very strange that uh, I think it was Potgito had said we're just going to kick for the corners. And um, the crowd were booing, some were cheering because they, they were going for the try and some were booing thinking it wasn't the right option. And then there was one image there of the coach uh, practically abusing and assaulting his two-way radio um, <laughs> to, for them to finally take the shot. Yeah. And, and uh, that, when they pointed at the, at the polls, that was one of the biggest cheers of the night. Yeah, because yeah, it, was, it wasn't their usual um, captain, was it? Because um, uh, what's his name uh, who plays eight usually? Yeah, PSBs has been out for a while. So yeah, um, yeah Potgita. Uh, but he, he, they were saying that they knew, or they thought that if they went for the, the shot, still had enough time for the Brumbies to come back. And in the end, it looked like he was correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, but did you either of you, other you got? Um, so, uh, Hugh, did you hear? I mean, what the noise the crowd was making when they made these decisions? It was quite bizarre. Oh yeah, I've never heard a penalty goal. The the end decision to eventually kick for goal was was like they'd scored the greatest try ever. The whole crowd <laughs> went, just went up as one. I always thought it's so amazing that you know compared to what happens in, in Australian crowds where you get that sort of cheer for kicking for touch, it was the complete reverse there. Yeah. But I mean, I'll just add to what you were saying there. I, I mean, it was it was a very arrogant play from the Bulls, and it was a very stupid play from the Bulls because yeah. the lineup more that you know, is normally dominant for them, hadn't been working at all that night. Mm. You know, in the first 50 minutes, it, it wasn't as if... You, you could understand the decision if if it had been dominant and they'd been mauling it down 20, 15, 20 metres at a time um, and the Brumbies hadn't been able to stop it. But every time, the Brumbies had disru- either disrupted the line-out or disrupted the maul successfully. So they were sort of keeping on banging their heads up against the brick wall and hoping that it would break through and... and it never did. You just got to wonder what was going through their heads. Mate, you know, you know who was breaking up their mall though. Scott Fardy. How good is he at that? Yeah, he's awesome. I, you watch him with every mall. He gets straight through the guts of it, breaks it up every time. He's yeah. fucking great. Yeah, yeah. He had a he had a, an amazing game. He, he, I actually had a look at the stats, and I know we've all been weighing on about the George Smith, um, who did have a fantastic game as well. Mate, but that try stopping. T- oh, yeah. oh God, that was mental. Um, <laughs> anyway. Well, talk us through that. Who was it? I think it was, wasn't it some big lump was going over the line? Well, a second rower. Yeah, and Smith just came from... It's got to be etched on your mind, BJ. Talk us through it. Well, the, well, it was in the early minutes of the second half where the Bulls were really... They came out firing in the second half and it looked like... Uh, I think it was... I can't pronounce his name, but it was the second row. Uh, it looked like he was going to score and then George Smith just happened to hold him up. Like that. I don't think that guy was very light as most... Bulls or second rows are, mm. and um, the commentators are like, "Oh, that's, that's got to be a try," but it wasn't, and that ended up being one of the uh, 
turning points of the game, I think. Yeah, no, it was absolutely crazy how he managed to get his one arm over the ball, another arm underneath it. Um, and then I think it was just the perfect timing, wasn't it? Just as he looked like he might have been able to get it out of Smith's grasp and get it down, I think it was Nick White who kind of plucked it, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, um, saved the day. Yeah, plucked it out of his arms. Um, but anyway, it, it, also it all came down. It was was it like twenty three nineteen in the very last minute, um, and it was Matt Tamura, I think, who spotted some big lump in front of him. Yeah, um, it was the same, the same guy that had the tried oh, uh, taken off him. Oh, shocker! Um, and so, and Tamura kind of scooted around the outside and then threw this gorgeous inside pass to Kuradrani. Yeah, um, and he was over and. Bang, uh, converted, 23-26. Yeah. Uh, um, interestingly, that they sent that to the TMO for a look, and it was it was the same guy that knocked about back about six Reds tries in the, in the Cheaters game. And I thought... Is oh, he just installed in that room? Oh, that was the Cheaters game, yeah. 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 Um, so I thought, oh, no, it's, this don't, you can't take this off us. And I think that uh, Joubert might have just wanted to check so he wasn't the only one lynched on the way out because, well, there was no one left after that because as soon as that try was awarded, mm. they, they, they showed a, sh- a shot of the crowd and they were leaving in droves. <laughs> they obviously didn't learn anything from the NBA finals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you never know what can happen. Because it wasn't, wasn't that far down and there was enough time to do something. Mm. Yeah. Um, that would have been furious. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to remember. That. Was there anything after? Was there a kickoff after? Was that was the, that was the donger? Yep. That was it. They, they, yeah, yeah, they re- had enough time thing. to restart. Okay. And uh, the Brumbies managed to hang on to it. That's right. Um, yeah. It wasn't. It didn't. It then, went. Uh, the kick went to about the 22. So I thought the Bulls might have tried a, a shallower kickoff. Yeah. But um, like most of their kicks, they didn't get do too well with them on the night. Yeah. So I mean, some other talking points I think that came from the game. Um, one of them had to be the continued dominance of the Brumbies pack. Um, it was impressive, wasn't it? Um, uh, you know, managed to find themselves, I don't know, what was it, maybe three or four penalties from the scrum? Yeah, at least. And uh, it's the, the Bulls scrum, not, not just this year, but I think the last season or so, hasn't been living up to the expectations of a South African monster pack. Uh, when the Bulls played in... Canberra earlier this year, uh, I, I saw something I never thought I'd see a front row from a South African side being yellow carded for uh, collapsing or dropping the bind and scrum infringements. Yep. No, I mean, it was, ama- it, was, it was amazing. I mean, the camera during the game was really focusing on Ben Alexander um, and he had one of those games that he sort of had um, uh, until he came up against uh, Corbusiero in the third test, but um, he had one of those games where uh, it, it was all going right for him. But the guy that I thought was really impressive and is obviously warranting his place in the uh, Wallabies 40-man squad, which we'll talk about in a little while, Scott Seo. Um, he absolutely destroyed the tight head on his side. Um, and I think a lot of what Alexander was able to do was really based off the back of that. Um, because obviously with the tight head going backwards, it, it made Alexander's um, job a whole lot easier. But, I mean, yeah, the Brumbies... Again, set piece really working for the Brumbies, and in this case, it was the uh, it was the scrum um, that was looking so dominant. Um, the other kind of stat that I pulled out, which was interesting, looking back at the game, was that uh, the Brumbies I mean, they were out kicked in number of kicks by the Bulls. So the Bulls kicked it twenty six times to the Brumbies twenty four. I mean, both of those numbers are high from a from a sort of conference from a competition average. Uh, but the Brumbies managed to get, even with two fewer kicks, managed to get more distance. So 930 yeah. metres versus 890. They outkicked them for sure. Yeah. So, uh, their kicks were just better. Yeah. 
Um, oh, you know, you know what, Timsy? I'm going to disagree with you there. Um, no. I've only seen the game once, but I think the kick distance stat is a bit misleading because um, the percentage of up and unders to, say, yeah. just distance kicks would affect that. Sure. Yeah, and, and the Bulls um, did throw a few of those too, but yeah. just seemed, there just seemed to be more. Pur- maybe it's look, maybe it's the chase because you know Chase makes a kick, but there just seemed to be more purpose to the Brumbies kicking to me. Yeah, look, look, I think Brumbies kicked well. Don't get me wrong, but I think the Bulls. I seem to remember the Bulls a lot of contestable up and unders, which they won, um, and the Brumbies. I thought lacked that bloke at the back to come up and really take the high ball with authority. Mm. Um, I, you know, I, I, re- I rate Jesse Mogg, but um, he had, that's one of the things he still struggles with, that ability to come forward and, you know, like a, a bit like what Israel Falau can do and really take the ball, you know, on the chest and go forward. But, you know, obviously he's, he still makes up for it in, in many other aspects of his game. But, but you know, the, the, uh, I think the other thing about I was going to say was this is an, a classic example of what I've seen, you know, quite a few times this season and last, where the Brumbies out Saffa the Saffa teams, you know. Yeah. It's the Jake White. They rumble over them at the forwards. They kick better than them. They, you know, and they, and they seem to always play well against the South African sides. So, yeah. you know, that was why it didn't too much surprise me that they beat the Bulls because for some reason they can always peak against them. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much that weekend. I mean, the, the one thing actually I think I was going to mention was even with how well uh, George Smith played, uh, which was surely sort of a man-of-the-match performance, we were talking about Scott Fardy. He topped the tackle count um, for both teams with 12 tackles. Um, so not only, as you were saying, Tim, was he a bloody you know, menace through the middle of the balls, which is so important, um, but, and he, but he also topped the tackle count. And the other thing he did top, though, was the penalty count. He did give away four penalties, um, which wasn't great. But um, Where were they? Were they... Like, I don't remember. Were they yeah. bad penalties or were they in a safe he gave, Yeah, he gave away a couple bad ones in the last 20 minutes. Yeah, the, but, ones, uh, they didn't, the ones the Bulls didn't kick. Yeah. They could, should have. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Maybe, maybe he realised that they weren't going to take the point, so he just decided to have a go. Yeah. I mean, maybe they, he just mind-tricked them. He's yeah. that good. <laughs> well, can, I, can I just point out, Matt, as well, before, yeah. before we move on to other things, yeah. the two weird moments of the game for me... The first thing, something I've never seen before, is a team physio penalised for um, depriving the Brumbies of an opportunity to take a quick throw. Was it a physio or was it a, 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 a reserve? It was a reserve. Was a, really? Yeah, I think it was yeah. the physio because he had the number 22 no. on his back. It was, so. it was Jürgen Visser. They were talking about ah, okay. an incident that had yeah. happened, the, those commentators... The South African ones, um, but it, yeah, it was Jurgen Visser. No, you're right though. I, I hadn't seen I hadn't seen that happen either. That was quite amazing, wasn't it? So it was yeah. it was booted directly to touch, and he got his hands on it so that the Brumbies couldn't take a quick. quick he jumped up. He jumped up to compete with Mog for the ball. Yeah, which is bizarre. And the other the other bizarre moment, and he's a player that's capable of this. I, I really rate him. But Peter Kimlin, mm. uh, oh, when yeah. the Brumbies were on attack, and he. He was past the ball on about the 22 and yeah. for some reason Luke tried to volley it as it was passed to him, <laughs> missed it completely and it went out. Yeah. What, what, what was going on there? Yeah, because I think it was Nick White threw a bullet cut out to him, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and it cut out about two players and it was, I think Kimlin thought it was, maybe it was going to go around, I don't know, ankle height, you know, so, or I better just try and volley it. But it actually went about waist height. <laughs> and, and he couldn't get his leg up high enough to volley it. And I think everyone was looking at him like, why didn't you just freaking catch it? <laughs> it was, oh. I mean, he's had such a belting back end of the season. He probably thought, I can do anything here. Yeah. It will come off. 
Just uh, also on funny incidents, did anyone see George Smith's quick tap attempt? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> just proves he's human. Yeah, it was a title Talk shot. Talk about though. a moment of absolute brilliance followed by a moment of absolute <laughs> stupidity. It yeah. was incredible. <laughs> yeah. Did he, did he get done for a knock-on there as well? I think yep. he did, didn't he? And it was one of those long, drawn-out knock-ons as well. Like, he, yeah. he tapped it and it bounced, and then he had a couple of goes at it and just kind of tripped behind it, and yeah. Yeah, that was it. Well, they've had a few of those. And then was it last week against the Cheetahs when Tamua didn't tap it on the ground um, in the dead ball and, and just oh, yeah. and passed it straight forward? <laughs> yeah, that was against the force game. Yeah, yeah for, the, for the longest... Oh, the force game, yeah. For the longest forward pass in history. Um, anyway, okay, so that was that. So looking ahead then, um, the weekend coming up now, BJ, you're off over there, mate, aren't you? I mean, I couldn't believe it. So first of all, you, well, you got up, watched the game, did a review for us on the website, um, and then you were just a ball of fury. Um, of, you know, before I knew it, you were like on me saying, oh, mate, we need to organise um, you know, press accreditation and, and whatever else. And you've got it all done. You're yeah, on your way. well, a bit like Jake White last week, I had done some a little bit of pre-planning to uh, see what okay. was available in terms of getting there and, mm-hmm. and where to stay because I don't think Hamilton has a lot of um, accommodation options. Mm-hmm. So, um, you stay in the casino, or uh, oh, I don't know the, the Chiefs' bed and breakfast. I can't remember the name of the place, but it's a bed to stay. But you mm-hmm. know, if we win, I may not have to bother going back or just to collect my bags to go back to Auckland the next day. <laughs> Ooh, connecting flights. Do the Chiefs have a bed and breakfast? Oh, Jeez, that's, that's prob- diversification, isn't it? I like that. Mate, is there any, any business in town? <laughs> have you not been to Hamilton? <laughs> uh, not on my tourist list, no, sorry. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's not a bad place. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate, I live in Canberra. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say... Uh, I was going to start selling it short, but you live in Canberra, so it's probably a step up. <laughs> oh, Big that's city. horrible! Big city horrible. bright lights, mate. Yeah. Don't get don't get dazzled. Um, yeah. And so, and you got press cred, right? So yeah, you be there in the cow shed or wherever it is. I'm not quite sure how it how it works over there, but um, it, it can't, can't be any worse than the Canberra media area, and that's inverted commas, which is outside. And when it's cold, it's cold there. It's, yeah. it's you bring your own heater stuff. Mm. So, mate, so you psyched. Um, yep. w- what do you reckon? Uh, what, what are the chances? Are, are you able to be even slightly impartial at this stage or are you just over the, over the edge? Well, I just the Crusaders have belted the Chiefs and made them hurt a little bit more than what the Brumbies have because obviously Brumbies haven't travelled back and, and only got home yesterday mm-hmm. and they have a, they'll have two nights at home, so last night and then tonight and then they're, they're off to Sydney and then on Wednesday, and then on Thursday they fly over. So that extra day's recovery for the Chiefs, it, it'll be like gold at the moment. That'll mm. really help them to get back up for the game. Yeah. You, I mean, that's pretty harsh, isn't it? I mean, only having basically two sessions this week. Um, I mean, I don't know if, they would, if they'd even want more as they try and recover, but you know, that much travelling in one week is tough, eh? It's pretty interesting you say that. There's been a bit of talk a bit on the forums about whether it's fair or not. And the, the, the simple answer to that, I think, is if they wanted more time at home, they should have won more games. Mm. Yeah, well, that Kings game back a few months back. Yeah. It was two points lost, and that could have been the difference. Or if um, they beat the force, well, the force in the last round. Jeez. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's a whole heap of things. They've, they've kind of brought this travel on themselves. Mm. Brought it it's going to be tough. 
You're a hard taskmaster, Timsy, aren't you? I oh, know. I don't. Don't. That's yeah. You, know, you want to do it? You got to do it. <laughs> um, That's all I'm saying. Yeah. If you want it done, get it done. So, so what are you saying here, then, BJ? What, 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 where, where are you coming down? Well, obviously the Chiefs have to be raging favourites, and the, the Brumbies are up against it. But mm. people said they couldn't beat the Bulls in Pretoria, yeah, and because the Bulls have never lost a, a finals match there, yeah, and they did, and. A few weeks back, um, a few journos and, and us uh, were talking about could they beat the Bulls in Pretoria and, and Jake White was nearby and he said very confidently, yes, we can mm-hmm. and the rest is history. Yeah. So they'll be in with a shout. That's, um, I'm just worried that maybe Only- they'll get to that 60-minute mark and then maybe fade. But I thought that on the weekend as well when the Chiefs got uh, – sorry, the Bulls got in front at about 60 minutes and I thought this could be – them coming home with the wet sail. Mm. But, it's a pity. Um, it's a pity when you were talking and he overheard and said that they could absolutely beat the Bulls if you didn't follow up with "Can you beat the Chiefs in Hamilton?" Then, because yeah. then we'd know. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. Because on Superbrew, Timsy, I tipped the Brumbies by three. Yeah. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. You know. Hmm. Did, uh, did you? Uh, well, you never know. You might have got him with his with his with his guard down. You know, and uh, he might have had to admit. Oh, yeah. No, I don't think so. Um, it's, it's, it's a bit too, a bit too far. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't know. I think uh, I think the Chiefs will, Chiefs will win this one, and um, I, I'm you know take take that from my tipping if, if you like. But the the travel's going to be too much, uh, yeah. and I just think they'll fall flat. And I'm happy to be proven wrong, but mm-hmm. they've been from Perth to Canberra to Pretoria, then to Hamilton. That's yeah. uh, pretty tough. I, I mean, the Crusaders didn't cope with that in 2011. Um, the Sharks didn't cope with that last year. Yeah, they got belted over there, the Sharks. That's right. You know, and they, they were beating everyone before that. So, you know, it's, 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 it's damn tough. Hugh, have you got a counter-argument to this? Which way are you going to go? Oh, no, I can't argue against the Chiefs here. I, I th- you know, they're the top side in the comp. They won last year. They've been sitting at home while the Brumbies have had to go to all ends of the earth. Um, it's... It's a bit of a no-brainer in, in the tipping department. As much as I'd like to see the Brumbies come back and uh, knock them off, uh, I just don't think they can do it. Uh, so I'm sure they're all listening to this, so I hope that can give them a bit of a kick up the ass, a bit of motivation to prove me wrong. Um, so, yeah. And, and the other thing is, as well, just stylistically, as I said, the Brumbies tend to play a lot better against the Saffir sides than they do against the Kiwi sides. Um, and I think the Chiefs might just be too much for them. Yeah. Okay, well, I mean, I mean, stats obviously go your way because when you start looking at... So there's uh, Sumo Stevenson, um, uh, you know, Kiwi pundit. Um, he's got some stats out there saying home teams are 13-4 to four in grand finals, but the Brumbies have a 3-for-2 lifetime record at Waikato Stadium. Um, so there you go. Um, so, yeah, it's a definitely an uphill battle. Uh, I get, you know, I can, I can see everything you guys are saying. I, look, if I was going to try and craft an argument to help BJ um, give him some hope as he goes across the ditch, um, it would be that the one thing I do think is, you know, we talked about this um, a couple of podcasts ago around, um, uh, you know, what the Aussie teams are looking like after the Lions. And I wonder actually, you know, being away together, having had um, some hard well, having had a shock against the force, uh, getting out of jail against the cheaters, working hard together against the, the, the bulls, you know, is that what they needed, you know, to get back on track as a team? 
um, and really get them pumped up. So maybe we can argue that, but you can't argue that that many miles isn't good for, for anyone. The, the one thing, and I, I'm hoping to be able to maybe get a little bit of vision behind this as well during the, the week, but um, what's interesting though is if you look at the, uh, and you, we start to think about how might the Brumbies win this. I mean, I think uh, whoever it was who, you know, who just said earlier on about the Brumbies being able to out-saffer the Saffers, um, you know, I think that style of play, uh, if, you, if you do it well, could frustrate the Chiefs. Um, so, you know, a good kicking game um, where you pin them down could really work, especially when you look at the Chiefs' lineouts. Um, so the Brumbies actually have one of the strongest lineouts in the comp, um, winning 87% of their own um, lineout ball. Um, and actually, they've got one of the strongest uh, defensive lineouts, winning 17% of the opposition's ball. The Chiefs are the opposite on that. So they actually have the worst um, attacking lineout on their own ball. So only winning 79% um, and only win 13% of the opposition ball. So it's almost a kind of a, a, a you know a, a direct opposite there. And I just wonder if the Brumbies can can get that kicking game going, where it's not just kicking the pill you know aimlessly to the to the Chiefs, but you know managing to do good kick chase and or put enough pressure on where they've got to go to the line. Um, you know that's really that's I think that's where the the, the, the the Brumbies could do really well. It's the sort of thing that, you know, Link always did when he took on the Chiefs, um, was just to not give them that space to do, you know, what they like doing the best. He, he didn't give them space and he didn't, also didn't give them the ball. Mm. But he, so, used, he used to target, target the Lions though, right? Yeah. Um, you know, but you're, you're right, you know, not just giving them ball to run back. I mean, I think, I don't think there's going to be any surprises from this, from this Brumbies team, is there? I mean, when we talked to Laurie... Uh, Fisher, uh, Fisher a few weeks ago before they faced the Reds and we said, oh, are you going to change it up against the Reds? And he said, no, we don't. We've got a way of playing and that's how we play. Um, and it'll just be whether they can play it well enough to take the Chiefs down. Uh, so anyway, it's going to be fascinating. Um, and that's what, 5.30 in the afternoon Aussie time, I think, probably, is it? Yep, that's it. Saturday? All right, mate. Well, um, good luck over there, St- uh, Steve. Bring it back, mate. Yeah, I'll... Hopefully uh, get some shots with a trophy to add to your ones from the Reds <laughs> a couple of years back. <laughs> that would be pretty damn good. Alrighty, so that's Super Rugby coming to a climax uh, on a screen near you this Saturday. Um, let's talk um, other stuff that's been going on. Since our last chat, we've got our first Wallaby squad um, under the new regime, under the Link era. And what have we seen? I mean, uh, let's, get some t- let's get some feedback on it. Let's start with you, Hugh. Um, what was your take on the squad? Oh, look, it was a good squad. I mean, to an extent, you can't really go wrong with a 40-man squad. I mean, it's <laughs> just about half of the players in Australia to begin with. So, really, you don't have to make too many difficult decisions. Um, and, really, he, he kicked most of the goals. He, he didn't leave out anyone particularly glaring. There's one exception for that, actually. But... Uh, yeah, but you know, and he didn't he didn't pick anyone particularly undeserving. <laughs> but uh Too look I'll, I'll argue <laughs> yeah. right, don't we have some sort of Queensland filter here we can Well look look okay, so I'll start. I mean obviously the only con- the only really contentious selection was the exclude oh, no, Okay, shut the fuck up. I'm <laughs> 
I, just for the record, I don't think there's too many tiles. But um, a lot of people say yeah, that well, breathe out thinking too much, so I just thought I'd do the same. Yeah. But, but I mean, I'm going to argue the only one that I was, was I thought was really quite a controversial it's a center, one. centre, isn't it? It's bent up white. The exclusion, yeah, the, the exclusion of uh, John Alungier actually from the Waratahs. Oh yeah. No, yes. um, the exclusion of Rob Horn, who I, I think who was actually, you know, I picked a hypothetical team last week, you know, a hypothetical fifteen, and he was my inside centre, um, and he was to be left out of the forty-man squad altogether. Uh, is a bit of a kick in the pants for him. Um, I think he's had a great year for the Waratahs, one of his best. Excuse me, and um, you know, being moved to inside centre, he's really brought out the best in him and, and uh, I did a statistical analysis as well of a few spots and in the inside centre numbers he you know the stats match up with my impression which is that he, he's been the rock in the Waratahs midfield he's, he's uh, taken uh, the ball up a lot he's done a lot of work he's made not many errors his tackle percentages are very high um, and he plays I think he's the best centre in Australia that plays that direct style that that sort of physical front on defence and hard running um, and so to see him left out, and I, <clears throat> I think the person that's got in ahead of him isn't Mike Harris, who I think is a bit controversial, but I think it's he's been uh, left out in favour of Ant Fyanga, mm-hmm. who I can understand, you know, obviously links loyalties there, and Fyanga's a key man at the Reds, um, but I um, don't think he's in as good a form as he has been in previous years. Uh, his numbers, his stats certainly aren't particularly good either. Um, Harris as well is controversial. I can kind of understand he's a good squad bloke to have around, and he won't be you know, really featuring in the lab. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, so, but I don't want to be one of those guys that rants about one selection of 40. So, yeah. overall, you know, it was probably, you know, nine out of 10 squad from, from Lincoln. And, you, you know, certainly there's enough players there to, to get us over the line against the All Blacks in the Springboks. Okay, cool. Um, what, what did you have, Timsey? Was it, I mean, apart from the, the number of tars, clearly. <laughs> no, as I said, I, I don't think it's that at all. I'm, I actually quite like it. Um, you know, the, there's going to be decisions like that that we're not going to quite understand of. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see people like uh, Kurindrani there, uh, which, uh, you know, you could argue took this is going to take the space of what, what where Horn would play. I think, um, you know, that that's probably more the swap that I saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but other than that, it's you know, it's, it's all pretty good. Okay. Good balanced squad. Uh, Hugh Pyle's finally there. Yep. Um, Scott Seo's getting a chance, so there's a couple of young guys to play around with, and yeah, I, I like it. Mm. Did he manage to find a third halfback though? I'm not sure there is one in Australia, is there? I mean, you know, you're, obviously you've got Nick Phipps and you've got you know Will Ganya, but uh, who else is there? Oh, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I thought about that. I, I had this for earlier. <laughs> Speaking of halfbacks. It's yes. uh, it's Ian Pryor, mate. <laughs> yeah. Whenever he's around a super squad, <laughs> they make the final. Yeah, <laughs> that's obviously what's. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Finally, the, the the madness ended, and we saw Nick White at least get a run um, as the guy. I mean, you know, it's it's going to be really interesting going forward. I think, um, and the other guy who's in there is obviously uh, Matt Tamua. Um, and also Bernard Foley. So I think all of a sudden we've got a few different options of guys who are playing 10 and have been playing 10 solidly all year and, and been performing really well in, in, in attacking lineups. So, and I think they really give Link some different options there um, going forward. And so it doesn't, not everything has to be pinned on Quade Cooper. 
Well, he also said that when he when he when he took the gig on that there's a few players that he hasn't seen much of and he's keen to get a look at them. So that's definitely what we're seeing here with you know that many fly halves being chosen. Yeah. Well, and also you know as the time goes on, you keep looking at Matt Tamur and you know look look at that final try he you know put away in that last minute um, you know to get them through to the final. Um, you know he just keeps powering on. So he looks to me, and I think everyone's talking about this like a real test fly half. Um, someone who can do the tough stuff um, as well as um, unleash those around him. So that's going to be interesting. But then the reason why I started off on this tangent was that, um, you know, it was interesting. I heard Phil uh, War talk uh, a few weeks ago and he was talking about there's a direct correlation between super rugby teams who do well and the 9 and 10 that they have. And the best 9 and 10 in the comp tend to be or in the teams that win. Um, and he kind of went through and, you know, you talk through the guys at the Crusaders, which have, you know, included, um, you know, Mertens and uh, what was his name at that stage? Uh, the Marshall. guy's name, sorry? Marshall. Yeah, Marshall. Um, and then, you know, then that moved on, um, you know, with whoever it is, Ellis and, um, and Carter. Um, you looked even with the Bulls when they had Kickbot 3000 and then, um, you know, Fantastic Fly um, uh, 9 and, you know, is it Dupre, Dupre who was inside him? Um, who was um who was Carl Spencer's halfback? Byron Keller? No, he was at the Chiefs, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. But you know, um, and then who's the who's the Chiefs? Steve Devine. Oh, who's the yeah? Who's <laughs> who's the Chiefs? Well, you had Cruden, and then you get it was it Smith. No, it's um. Uh, no, no. See, that's Kerbala, what I mean. Isn't it? Is it it's, Kerbala? It's, it's, it is Kabbalah, Yeah. It's a pretty good. It's a pretty good thing, but it doesn't always have to be that way. Yeah. And then, well, you look at the Reds, okay, and you looked how they did, and then you look at how the Brumbies are doing, and you've got to say they've got a damn good nine ten anyway. So the fact that White was struggling to get into the squads previously, I mean, we've 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 talked about this before. Um, BJ, what about you, mate? What, what were your kind of overall observations? Anyone in there that you know, you know, any statements that were made by who was put in the squad? I just think. Ewan's rewarded team um, players that have played well in the Super Rugby season. Yeah. Um, there's a couple like ten uncapped players, so he's a few of those from the Brumbies, obviously like Co, Tamur, and White, for example. Yeah. Um, so and Kurundrani, who's played very well this year. Yeah. So I think he's he's trying to start off well, um, like naming big bunch of players. Like you can't go wrong with forty players and you know, participation ribbons for most there. Yeah. So I think it'll be good to get some of these young guys in early rather than later when injuries occur because uh, there's no point throwing someone in the deep end, you know, at Eden Park or wherever. Um, you know, first game, off you go, son. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just really glad that, you know, now, whether it was deliberate or not, now that you've got, you know, I think um, the highest number come from the Brumbies, isn't it? Was it 12 from the, in the overall squad? And then I think it was 11 each from the Tars and the Reds. And just so that certain people leaving comments couldn't say why the hell are there so many, you know, there's the majority from the Waratahs um, was just music to my ears. So that was good in itself. Um, Alrighty. So like, as you guys were saying, as you said to you, 40 guys um, will only really have a real feel for what's going on when they start to cut it down a little bit more um, by the looks of things. And then the other thing that uh, Link mentioned, I think it was in an article or somewhere today, was that he's got his, he's got his eyes on Henry Spate. Um, yeah, what, what is his eligibility? I think it's November, September, November twenty sixth. Yeah. Right. November twenty sixth. Wow, to, to the day. Can you can you give me an hour on that? Is it before kickoff? 
um, we could be playing probably playing the palms that day. Um, yeah, so so Henry Spate. For those of those who don't know, though, Henry Spate is actually the nephew of George Spate, who was the guy who walked into um, Parliament about ten years ago and overthrew it with a gun and a few other guys. In Fiji. In, in Fiji, Fiji. Fiji. Yeah, <laughs> for those of you who are wondering how you didn't hear of this. <laughs> no. Uh, no, it wasn't in Canberra. Um, yeah, so anyway, he's, he's uh, yeah, pretty um, notorious connections there. But anyway, yeah, so he's going to be a dinky die Aussie um, as of uh, November um, and be threatening. And Link said he's got his eye on him because he is one of those guys um, at the moment in all of super rugby um, who can just make something happen from nowhere. Hard running. Ah, it's a beautiful thing. Pow. Alrighty, um, so that's that. So other things to talk about, uh, maybe while we're still talking players, the uh, James O'Connor saga, that drags on, doesn't it? Um, what's the latest there? I think, um, BJ, you were saying earlier on, it's it doesn't look like it's all happy days with the force. Yeah, they had negotiations or started talking about negotiations and there hasn't been too much um, positive noise coming out about him ending up there. Mm. Uh, but just interestingly... Back to the squad, he's been listed in the um, position as a wing slash fullback and also with the Melbourne Rebels. So maybe that is an indication that the number 10 experiment with him at uh, Wallabies level is is done. He's He's got this, I mean, you know, he's copying it from all angles now, isn't he? He's like, he really has become sort of poor guy. I mean, can we say poor guy or is he all brought him on himself? Where are you on this, Tim? You were the hard nut earlier on um, with... Uh, Home finals. Uh, how harsh? How hard are you on this poor young James O'Connor guy? Well, we we talked about uh, we talked about when Link came in. The first thing you needed to do a couple of weeks ago was get rid of the, and we chose to change the word a little bit. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> and maybe that's just naturally happening now. Right. I, I think that uh, you know he's he's done this. Brought it on himself, mm-hmm. so he can. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Well, yeah, you know, look, I, I agreed to a point. Look, you know, obviously he he's got to be held responsible for his actions. But um, I feel for him a little bit. I, I, I think he's a product of his surroundings and his environment. Um, and by all accounts, Perhaps he is. But there's a there his management. Time, I think what he needs his... to do is stand up and take a little bit of responsibility for it and go, yeah, I fucked up a lot of times, yeah. and it's all stupid shit that. Any old idiot could see they were doing the wrong thing. So perhaps the best thing for him is to be shunted out, showed you know that you know you're not above it all. Go overseas for a year or two, learn a new attitude, and come on back. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. Uh, I, I just think that I mean we had a bloke come on the forum a uh, a few weeks ago who is you know I think he is connected with the Melbourne Rebels or he was connected with the Melbourne Rebels, saying that. You know, his his parents are very uh, active in, in their dealings with the club and the coaches and his management's, you know, all, all very um, intensive and uh, James is kind of being a bit smothered by it and, and I can understand that. I mean, obviously, he's got some attitude problems there, but uh, they're going to have to find it. You know, he's going to have to fix them up somehow. So mm. let's just hope he can manage it to sort of that and come back because he's he's a great player and he's one of our best players on form. So, you know, I think we, we, we'd love to have him around. It was a bit of a careful what you wish for, wasn't it? I mean, we had him on the podcast, God, it must have been, what, a year or two ago? Yeah. And he came out and said, you know, I want to be a 10, you know? And so that was obviously, and I think that was the big message we were supposed to be getting in that podcast. 
Um, yeah, and, he's done. He said it a few times. Yeah, and then he kind of you know, and, and then kind of you know managed to obviously make that happen at the Rebels. Um, I think the fact that it wasn't going to happen at the Force was one of the big problems. So he obviously wanted that, um, and then you know all of a sudden we saw that big shift from Dingo where, okay, it wasn't like he kind of eased the guy into it. Um, You know, he'd only have one spot at 10 as a kind of a backup 10 on tour. Um, And all of a sudden he was in the line. So I don't know. In a way, it's like I say, careful what you wish for. I do feel that, you know, I think the harsh bit is people sort of saying, oh, failure 10. Um, You know, now he's relegated, should never play 10 again, relegate to wing, that sort of thing. that, you know, I don't know, it kind of felt like it felt a bit set all. up to fail, didn't it? And I think as, partly his as, fault, but partly other people's fault there. He's a great player, and, and you're absolutely right. Yeah. We, you know, we've got to be careful about shunting good players away from the country, but yeah. he's, uh, you've, you've got to look at it from a... If you're the coach, and, you know, there's been a big shift in the last little while about, you know, fixing up your squad and getting the, the balance of people right, looking after the people first. Um, yeah, that happened with the Reds, the Brumbies have done it, the Force are trying to do it, the Rebels are clearly trying to do it, the Waratahs have just done it with checks. It's, it's, no one wants that sort of person in their environment. So it, it's not a, you know, we're not communists, that they've, they're free to choose to not sign him, and that's basically what's happening. Yeah. There's clearly a sticking point that the Force aren't willing to budge on, and he's an either, so that's pretty much how it's going to go. So the other thing that continues to drag on, um, talking about player signings, is uh, is he Falau? Is he or isn't he? Um, anyone got the latest word on this? Hugh, you must be watching the, the, the news wires, are you? Yeah, I actually spend my whole day sitting on the Waratahs website, hitting refresh constantly, <laughs> just waiting, waiting. So you're the guy who's tying it up when I'm trying to do that. <laughs> uh, it keeps crashing yeah, but, um, when both of us are on. The latest in the Falau saga um, is uh, the word is, Mm -hmm. and there's been a lot of inside word in this whole thing, and I'm not quite sure who to believe, but the word is that he has agreed to terms with the Waratahs and he's just waiting on the ARU to come to the party and complete sort of their end of the deal and then he can put pen to paper. Apparently, he has made up his mind that he's going to stay in rugby. Um, It's just now a matter of sorting out the particulars so you know uh, i've heard this kind of stuff before and i've heard it from both sides to be honest so i'm not yet you know throwing up my arms and, and rejoicing but at the moment you've got to say the signs look good okay will they throw in a free volvo perhaps <laughs> as many as he wants yeah exactly uh, <laughs> i think he can pretty much you know have a seat on the board if he wants to on the volvo board <laughs> Um, yeah, I, th- I would imagine that that's a pretty important part of that deal. Um, well, the, the one thing was that at the naming of the squad, it was put to Pulver, are you guys the handbrake on this? And he said, no, I have not seen the contract. Um, so now, I don't know if that's weasel words or something, but anyway, I think he was, on Friday morning at least, he was definitely batting that back um, towards uh, the Tars saying, you guys need to get your ducks in a row before I can sign anything off but anyway it's it sounds like it's going to happen it sounds like they're obviously sweating on a third party something or other someone to kick in a spare million or something um all right so that's that other discussions other stuff that's been going on um this kind of I don't know if it's perennial or biannual or whenever it is uh super rugby discussions so the Saffers have said they're not happy 
Um, you know, that they might take the, their ball and go, or and their extra viewers and go, um, and maybe set something up. I think is it with the Argies or is it with the or is it with Europe? I thought it was Europe. Is it Europe this time? Yeah, um, it's because of the time zone. Right. Yeah, they're is, like New Zealanders to Europe. They're two hours ahead. Yeah, this is the one that they they tend to say they're going to go and do that. Um, and uh, that's going to leave Australia and New Zealand to um, create their own little uh, competition. Well, I say little uh, competition uh, over here across the ditch. Maybe bringing in maybe a Pacific Island and a Japanese team. Is that right? Has any, anyone got more details on this? I think that's oh, it's the all, word on the street. It's all hypothetical. There's I been mean, talk of US teams as well. Wow. Basically, the talk is that the Suffers are going to take their toys and go home mm. and you know, what the ARU and the New Zealand Rugby Union then do is up to them. And there hasn't been any word on what we'd consider doing. Uh, oh, look, I think it's all talk. The Saffirs, you know, they say, well, we're going to go to Europe. Well, Europe doesn't want them, you know. What, what are Europe, Europe are pretty happy with their current setup at the moment. They yeah, don't where need are they going to, to be flying in? 10 hours down to South Africa to go and get, you know, trodden on by a bunch of big Afrikaners. Well, so, well when are they going to do it though, right? Because we're in the middle of a European summer. So when are they running this te- this you know this it's competition just, that would be running in this same window? It doesn't fit. It all just stems from the fact that they're pissy that they have to have a playoff between the Kings and the Lions, mm. which they had you know this week and the Lions won. But mm. you know so that so they have to boot a team out. I mean they're kind of in in a sense they're victims of, of their own success. But mm. you know that's not our problem. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I mean I. I can't help but think on this thing that this is just another negotiation position, um, which happens every time we start to get within sniffing distance of the next TV deal, and the Saffirs kind of wave around um, the money, and then we say, "Yeah, but we're, we're two thirds of the competition," and so we end up, you know, probably back at you know all of us getting a third somehow, even though most of the money is coming out of South Africa. Um, uh, anyway, anyone else? Anyone see that different? No, you got it. All right, nailed. There you go. Uh, someone put that in a newspaper. Um, so there we are. I think that's it. Um, probably the only thing was probably to say people who've come onto the podcast are probably used to hearing um, Scott Allen, who's on the podcast. Um, just to say, uh, as happens, um, Scott is probably not going to be on this podcast with us um, for the foreseeable future, I think. He's kind of going to be doing some different things, um, as always, especially with the amount of effort and work he used to put in. Just a big thanks to him. And he's still a mate. Um, we'll still be having beers with him and, and whatnot. You'll see him around on Twitter and things like that. But he probably won't be on the podcast. And he might not be doing more stuff on Green and Gold Rugby. Um, I blame Hugh talking about Rob Horn too much myself. So do I. I actually spoke to Scott today, and that's yeah. what he said was that the was problem. That was it. Yeah, okay. So um, look, you know, if he can't handle the truth, well, you know. <laughs> He's the South Africa of this um, conference organisation. <laughs> he took his volume and he went. Um, alrighty, okay. So that's that. Um, and that's about it. Well, thanks, fellas. Thanks for joining. It's a pleasure as always. Yes. Um, well, we're, not, we're only a few weeks off from the rugby championship, aren't we? When yeah, gets... I think it's time we start slowly ramping up. We've had a bit of a break after the Lions, yes. you know. We've all, yeah. I think, we've sort of come out of our dark depression after that. Yeah. Well, I can't really remember what happened in that last test, but uh, I've I'm going. Well, I'm going to Sydney for the Bledisloe, and I've already started packing. That's how excited I am. Excellent, mate. It's going to be good to see you here, um, Hugh. You're going to need your elbow fixed for that. 
<laughs> I definitely am. Yeah, well, I, look, I'm still planning on playing. I'm still pushing for the squad. So, uh, you know, it's still, the dream's still alive. I so, heard if it yeah. was a 40 man, 41 man squad, you're in. <laughs> Move aside. Um, in fact, the, the dispatcher said, yeah, not considered for um, because of injury. And you, I think your name was there, wasn't I think it? it yeah. yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, I didn't read that too closely, but I assume so. Yeah. It came straight after Kurtley Beal. Alphabetical order. <laughs> and, and BJ, bring it home, mate. Last time I went to a Super Rugby final, I brought the cut back. That's what you need to do, mate. Yep, I'm all keen for it. And I just hope I don't run into Jake the Muss over there and uh, instead of hopefully Jake White instead. If you do, if you do run into Jake the Muss, just cook the eggs. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, Matt, Matt and Timsey, what, what's your tip for drinking out of the cup? Is there a technique? You know, is there a, spe- a certain... Is it- is it two hands for beginners? Yeah. You'll need two hands. It's a surprisingly heavy cup, I will say, wasn't it, Timsey? It was. It was. It, was, it was quite heavy. Helps if someone like James Horwell is tipping it down your gullet. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, just go with it, mate. Play what's in front of you. Yeah, I'll, I'll drink what's in front of me too. Okay, good. Because um, if it was like what I got, it will be a lot of saliva and not, not a lot of vodka <laughs> Red Bull. Um, but, that was uh, in Queensland, though, to be fair. This is in Hamilton, so God knows what's going to be in there. They do drool up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, fellas, good to talk to you. Thanks, everybody, for downloading um, and listening, and um, we'll speak to you again next week. Next good week. night. See you, guys. Right there, right there.